This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. In Canto 7, we pass through Circle 4 and Circle 5 of Hell, which are also the lowest and therefore the final circles of Upper Hell. What does this mean, Upper Hell? Is being in upper hell versus lower a sign that the sins and sinners here are somehow a little less damnable? I remember wondering this a lot when I first read Inferno. And Dante does indeed organize hell with lesser sins above the ever greater and more appalling kinds of damnation in the lower circles. These lesser sins of upper hell, Dante the poet classifies as sins of incontinence. So what is incontinence and what makes it lesser? Incontinence literally means not contained or not constrained. And it refers to people who practice no restraint, who live lives of greed, avarice, lust, and other sins of excessive human appetite. In Canto I, Dante the Pilgrim encounters a female wolf whose frightening ravenousness may symbolize such incontinence. These are clearly very serious sins, as Cantos 5 through 8 of Inferno convey, but we learn from Dante's poem that they are lesser sins because they are so deeply human, maybe even unavoidably human. That is to say, having appetites is part of being human. Thus, sinful excesses of such appetites are also natural, though also damnable. I always find it interesting to reflect on Dante's portraits of incontinence when I'm reading Cantos 5 through 8 and the different types of natural human appetites and their sinful extremes that are illustrated. And as with all epic poems, this kind of readerly reflection on one portion of the journey becomes always richer with further travel into the poem and into the depths of hell and of lower hell. But for now, let's explore Canto 7 and Circles 4 and 5. There is so much that is memorable and very moving in Canto 7. As it opens, Virgil and Dante the Pilgrim have departed Circle 3, the gluttonous. And as they descend into Circle 4, they are famously greeted by Plutus, or Pluto, the god of wealth in classical mythology. His words, Pape Satan, Pape Satan, Alepe, are the opening words of Canto 7. Often characterized by translators and critics as making a clucking sound, chioccia is the Italian, such a terrific onomatopoetic word. Plutus's strange words, I think, convey Dante the Pilgrim's and our own sense of disorientation. Moreover, his words have never been deciphered by critics or translators, though some have made suggestions. The fact is that experts mostly agree that these words are gibberish, expressing Plutus's own mindless incontinence. It does seem fitting that they are babble, incomprehensible, just like the sinners of the fourth and fifth circles of hell will be indistinguishable, having lost any clear identity or individualism through their consumption by the incontinent sins of greed, profligacy, wrath, and sloth. In this canto, we the readers and Dante the Pilgrim, with Virgil as guide, will encounter several pairings 
that point up similarities and meaningful contrasts. First off, in circle four, with the hoarders, or the greedy, and the spendthrifts, or the profligate, and their endless circuit of mindless contraries, as the American poet and Inferno translator Robert Pinsky describes them. Here is how Dante captures them. More shades were here than anywhere above, and from both sides to the sound of their own screams, straining their chests, they rolled enormous weights. And when they met and clashed against each other, they turned to push the other way, one side screaming, why hoard? The other side, why waste? And so they moved back round the gloomy circle, returning on both sides to opposite poles to scream their shameful tune another time. Dante is moved by their endless plight, and Virgil explains it as the result of their myopic minds in life, their short-sightedness and lack of any moderation with spending and material goods. Notably, Dante thinks he recognizes some among these crowds of greedy and profligate, including many priests. But Virgil replies that this is an empty hope for, quote, their undistinguished life that made them foul now makes it harder to distinguish them, unquote. The pairing of the hoarders and spendthrifts is itself paired with the inhabitants of Circle 5, the wrathful and the slothful or sullen. We encounter this second pairing of sinners near the end of Canto 7, and these sins also have rendered them indistinguishable, their faces scarred by rage, Dante tells us. Virgil describes these wrathful, sunk in the mud of the sticks, as, quote, the souls of those whom anger overcame. He also points out some below them, deeper in the mud, the sullen or sluggish. This sin of sluggishness is a challenge for us today, I think, because Dante and his society understood as sinful what we today might recognize more as depression, a mental illness that deserves support, intervention, compassion, not damnation. To me, this kind of moment isn't about dismissing or condemning Dante's poem as outdated. Rather, it points up provocative differences between our own times and the comprehensiveness and rigidity of Dante's medieval understanding of sin and human existence. Much that's worth reflecting on and discussing. With both these pairings of Circle 4 and Circle 5 and their pairing together in Canto 7, I think we have to see Dante really showing us incontinence as he wants us to understand it. Why do I say this? Because with all of these pairings, the sinners encountered are characterized by their loss of distinguishing features and intelligibility, and by their perpetual conflict, qualities that illustrate the mistaken and fruitless waste of their precious human energy on Earth in different ways. Another pairing in Canto Seven is Plutus, whom we've already met, with Fortuna, or Fortune. Dante's treatment of fortune is distinctive, because while fortune was a major preoccupation of classical and medieval thought, Dame Fortune generally was associated with the worldly, not linked with Christian divinity. But Dante has Virgil identify her as an angel, a figure directing the healthy and productive circulation of wealth 
between men and societies. This is the opposite of Plutus's stagnant obsession with amassing wealth and also with the endlessly repeating but never progressing movements of the greedy and the profligate. As Virgil describes fortune, quote, her changing changes never take a rest. Necessity keeps her in constant motion, unquote. And this motion is blessed, we learn, a constant turning and changing that is linked to God's will, even while many people on earth curse fortune in their ignorance and, of course, in their incontinent sinfulness. I've always loved Canto 7 because it is always the point for me where Inferno's and Dante's concept of contrapasso really come alive. Contrapasso is basically a principle that every soul must suffer in the afterlife according to the sin they committed in life. This is demonstrated ironically in Inferno's vestibule in Canto 3, with the undecided in life now endlessly chasing a banner. In Canto V, it's expressed by the endless buffeting of the lustful. But for me, it's in Canto VII's hoarders and spendthrifts, and the way their sinful preoccupations on earth are precisely expressed in their mindless and futile clashing. My imagination was and still is ignited by these details. And this has driven my curiosity always towards parsing all the cantos to follow. Dante's stark judgment was and is so richly imaginative. And in the details of his poem, he conveys a profound understanding and expression of sin's deforming nature. I continue to find this fascinating, and I hope you will too. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Torrey Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.